0: Good evening. It is good to see each of you. And if you're visiting with us, uh, especially we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. It's good to see Vince and Delphine and others uh, that are with the Inner City Church of Christ. It encourages us that you've taken the time to come all the way out to Mount Juliet and uh, be with us, especially on Friends Day, a very appropriate day to visit. We count you as dear friends. If you would be open your Bibles... To Judges, the book of Judges. It's on 220 in your Pew Bible, and we're going to be looking and beginning at the fourth chapter in just a few moments. Let's do uh, keep in mind the families that have uh, had losses uh, last week and this week in their life, and let's make sure that we are reaching out and encouraging and comforting them in every way that we can. We've had so many families in the last couple of months. And let's make sure that we remember not just the week of, uh, but let's make sure that we remember for the weeks and months to come to reach out and to help in whatever way uh, that we can. Our deepest sympathy goes out to these families. The congregation has a tremendous loss when we think of the many, many years that Miss Dot Zumbro and Ms. Jane Atwood have been a part of this congregation. It's a rich heritage, and they are definitely a part of the rich heritage of Mount Juliet for many, many decades. And God has blessed us, with their life and with their service and with their love and friendship. And let's make sure that we continually reach out to these families and help them, especially at this time. Uh, We are thankful that our young men, we have several young men that are away tonight at the Salem Church of Christ and they're conducting the services there. As you have heard every uh, so often, just every few uh, weeks, it seems that we have various ones of our young men that say hey I want to participate in that I want to be a part of it they're trained they're helped with their lessons they're helped learning uh, to lead singing lead prayers and it is a wonderful opportunity that our young men have here that we're thankful that God gives us that opportunity do keep in mind that this coming uh, Friday evening will begin the men's retreat if you've not signed up yet be sure and do that at the welcome center Uh, tremendous speakers Uh, Bill McDonald and Lonnie Jones and Doug Williams, you will get your cup full and it will run over, I promise you. You don't hear me make claims like this very often if you really stop and think about it, but I promise you, you men that will go and come back Sunday, you will declare that you have been fed spiritually. A lot of other things that will take place with the skeet shooting and the golf and just a lot of fellowship and fun together. If you want to camp, that's available. If you want to go the lodge route, that's available. Sign up is there, 15 or $50, depending on how much luxury you want. Uh, be sure and sign up. Uh, don't miss that opportunity. It is a blessing. There are uh, schedules uh, available, and you can see all that is lined up for the week. We are continuing our... Ancient Words Living Faith series as we go through the scriptures. We're reading the word together. If you have kind of lost track of that, jump back on the the wagon this week and make sure that you pick up and study some together. And we are tonight taking a study out of Judges that we have been reading lately. And uh, by the beginning of this next week, shortly into this week, we'll begin the book of Ruth and then on to the first Samuel as we start another section of the time period for the children of Israel as they were led by kings. We have a lot of things that are beautiful about the story tonight. As we think especially about Friends Day, we think about courage in time of fear. What a blessing it is whenever we have the courage to step out and to do what God asks us to do. We're saying that keeping in mind the fact that what God asks us is oftentimes out of our comfort zone. Now, what the beauty of this story tonight is that we see a woman who was very courageous and made a tremendous difference as a judge. But we also see that this woman had a great influence and impact on the life of a man named Barrett. Oftentimes, Barrett gets a bad rap because of a point of weakness that he had at the time just before he committed to go into battle. What I want you to see tonight, and, and I believe from scriptures, we can back this up, and so I'm not asking you to believe it because I say it. I'm simply asking you to study with me together and see if this is a lesson that we can learn from this. We're all on a spiritual journey, and not all of us are at the point of maturity that we ought to be. And how awesome it is that he realized at least the fact that he wasn't quite where he needed to be. But if Deborah would come along beside him, he would step up and do what God asked. And in that sense, as we think about Friends Day, I can't think of a better judge to study. A judge that was that spiritual friend that would step up beside another and help the other grow in courage and in faith. It's a beautiful study of friendship and influence especially. And we think about what kind of influence we are with our friends. If you look with me in Judges, the fourth chapter. Let's begin in verse one. When Ehud was dead. Now... Ehud was a judge. There were 15 judges that we read about in Judges. He was one of the judges that had a rule over the children of Israel for a time period of 80 years of peace. The longest period of peace was under his influence as a judge. He was the one that if you read back earlier in the third chapter, he must have been a left-handed man because remember he snuck in to kill an enemy king, his Dagger was strapped to his right thigh. It was over a cubic long. It was a double-edged dagger. And he went into the king with his left hand and he drew it and stuck it into his belly and all the way through him and then closed his private chambers to allow him to die in private. He was a courageous man of God, a courageous judge. And during his reign or during his influence as a judge was a great amount of peace. But now he's dead. Now, as we think about him being dead, I would like for you to notice the next slide, and then we're going to come back to this one in just a moment. Uh, This is something that I need to see about the book of Judges that we probably even mentioned again last week. There are seven cycles in the book of Judges of the people, and the book of Judges covers anywhere from three to 400 years, and these are the cycles that we see of the children of Israel. They would go into time periods of apostasy. And the reason we're looking at this now is we just talked about the fact Ehud was dead. He, he had a great rule, but yet the children of Israel had a problem remaining faithful. And then when they would go into apostasy, the Lord would allow the enemies to come and to take over them. You see, the fact is, God's blessing is in the protection At any given time, God's people could be overtaken if He simply let down the barriers and stopped protecting them. And so God would allow the enemies to come in and to take them captive or destroy them. But third, we see that whenever, back to what we studied this morning about lifting up our eyes, once they were willing to lift up their eyes and cry out to God and turn their life around, God would almost always provide a judge. And this judge would execute the military orders. This judge would help deliver the people back to a strong presence in the nation. And they would be a strong and a protected nation again. So we see in just these few verses, let's go back now to the previous slide. And notice if you're reading along, notice how we see this movement in 1, 2, and 3 here. Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. See how it happened? They went into apostasy again. Look at verse 2. So the Lord sowed them. See the punishment? He stopped he, he stopped protecting them. He, in other words, said to the enemies, Okay, you can have them now. He sowed them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. We're not for sure if that is one specific king's name or it may have been the kings the, of the dynasty of Canaan. For example, uh, in in Egypt... The kings were oftentimes called pharaohs. It may have been that the kings were called Jabins. But nevertheless, it's the king here of Canaan who reigned in Hazor, the commander of the army of Sesera, who dwelt in Heresheth uh, Hagoyim. And the children of Israel, now notice here this humility, Now they cried out to the Lord for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. So they had 80 years of peace and then they decided to go into apostasy. Then they began to be oppressed and for 20 years they were oppressed. Uh, One gentleman wrote about these 900 chariots, and this might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it helps us to think about how it might have been. He said that would be just like one army having nuclear uh, weapons and the other having none at all. In other words, whenever there were chariots of iron involved in warfare, the historians tell us they had a tremendous advantage in any kind of war that they would go into. This man didn't just have a few chariots of war, he had 900 of them. Now can you imagine if he had 900 chariots of war, can you imagine how many foot soldiers that would accompany that kind of of 900 chariots? And so this is the setting for what we're about to study. It's looking grim, it's looking tough for the children of Israel because they're oppressed. They're wanting something to be better in life. And here's the question. Who could God count on? Who is it that would step up for God and speak on behalf of God and give the direction and the guidance that God needed? Let's read verse 4 as we see now Deborah, a prophetess. Now notice the things that she is listed here. A prophetess, a wife, judging Israel at that time. And then we see the honor that's talked about in her judgment. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between uh, Ramah and Bethel and the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now, it's interesting that of all the 15 judges, she is the only female judge. It's interesting also to see the fact of what God asked her to do. God asked her to be a prophet. That's one that speaks forth the message of God. Now, as a judge, that almost always had to be the case because it was the judge that would give the military orders. In a few verses, we're going to read how she turns to Barak and she tells him to do things, but she makes it very clear that she is telling him because it is the words of the Lord. And so she's speaking the words of the Lord for these civil affairs to, to direct the army Of God, Now, notice also she's a wife. Notice also that she is a judge and she is giving judgment. Now, I need to realize that the role that God has given of women in the new covenant, in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, in verse 10, 11, and 12, for women not to teach or usurp authority over the man, which is given in the idea of when the church comes together and the organization of the church, it's not violated here. You'll hear many individuals speak of Deborah as if that is a woman leader in the Lord's church. Well, number one, the Lord's church didn't begin until Acts, the second chapter, a lot of hundreds of years later than what we're reading here. But number two, even back then, under the old covenant of that of Judaism would have been the religion, she did not go in and serve as a priest. She did not gather the people together and teach them Bible lessons. She was a leader of them in the sense of speaking God's message. As a matter of fact, we see exactly what she did. It says that she sat under the tree there of Deborah, and the people would come up and they would ask judgment. To get an idea of how her job would be carried out, we could read in 1 Kings, the third chapter. Do you remember when Solomon was a king, and the kings were now replacing many of the duties of the judges? And do you remember as a young king, God came to him in a dream. And said, I'll grant you whatever you would ask. And God was so impressed because he said that many men in his situation would have asked for a long life, riches, or the life of their enemy. But he did not ask for that. Instead, he asked for an understanding heart so that he could properly, notice this word, so he could properly judge the people. God was so impressed with that request that He gave him great amounts of wisdom so that He could judge the people, and then He gave him all the other three things as an extra. Now, the reason that this story is so important in 1 Kings, the third chapter, is we get an idea of what a judge is judge. Right after He is given this extra amount of wisdom, we're told a story of what judges would deal with on a daily basis. I'm not suggesting to you everyone was as strange as this, but yet this is the story that was told. It was of two prostitutes. Each had a baby. Each had their own baby. One particular night, one of the women rolls over and smothers her baby in the bed, but she wakes up and sees what she does. She wakes, she goes, takes her deceased child, her deceased baby, and lays it in the bed with the other woman without waking the other woman and takes the living baby back to her bed. The next morning, the other woman awakes to find that her baby is dead, but upon closer examination, realizes this isn't really her baby at all. But now it's one woman's word against another. Two harlots' words against each other. Who's going to settle this matter? That was a matter for the judge. And so they're taking, they take this issue to the king and the king has a judge. Now keep in mind, the story we're reading tonight of Deborah, this was before the time period of the kings. And so it would be Deborah's situation that she would have to handle of this nature if this would have been under her time period of influence. But here's Solomon in his great wisdom. He said, he asked for a sword. He said, cut the baby in half. And of course, immediately the woman whose baby it was said, no, let her have the child. And Solomon immediately declared, this is the mother of the baby. That story was told throughout Israel to show the wisdom that Solomon had. Friends, that was how judgment was given to the people. To judge the people, especially in the civic matters and the civil matters, And we see now, as we go back to Deborah, we see a woman who was a woman who who wasn't a crowd follower. Instead, we see a woman who was a God follower. It's amazing to me to think about, and this is one of those things where this is just David Shannon wondering, thinking about, we don't have answers on this. But I think it's worth just a little bit of meditation, and none of us can think for the other. We've got to deal with this one ourselves. Have you ever thought about, how did Deborah get there? How did she end up as a judge? The scriptures doesn't tell us. But, you know, there was no one previous to her that was a a woman that served in that kind of pasty that's recorded. In other words, we can't say, well, the hero in her life, the role model in her life, there wasn't such a woman that we know of. How did she end up there? How did Noah end up being the one to build the ark? Remember when all the world was wicked and God looked down and He saw one righteous man that was willing to stay with God and do God's work? And Noah was the one that found the grace of God and Noah was the one that built the ark. Friends, I sometimes wonder if it wasn't this simple. Deborah may not have grown up as a little girl saying, I want to be a judge. You remember all of Israel was wicked? I wonder if it was all wicked except for that one, that one woman that God said, I can use her. How did she become the mouthpiece for God? How did she become the courageous woman to offer judgment to all the people? It had to be in the fact that she was willing to be available for God's use. Friends, I think it's good for us to have goals. I think it's good for us to have role models. But when it's all said and done, what is more important than anything is for us to always be willing to say, God, here I am. Use me. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to serve you. And if everybody else in my family turns their back on you, I'm not going to turn my back on you. If all of my friends turn their back on you, I'm not going to turn my back on you. And Lord, any way you can use a servant like me, I'm ready to be used. You see, she wasn't a crowd follower. As a matter of fact, she stood out in the crowd. We don't read of any other woman in the Bible exactly like Deborah. Her name meant honeybee. You know, when we think about honeybees, we think about, uh, in the animal kingdom, that's supposed to be one of the smartest animals. It's also one of the hardest working and busy animals, and it also is an animal that produces a wonderful, wonderful product. We think about Deborah, we think about what she produced for Israel, and we think about how she was busy in God's work. We think about how it's obvious that she was so intelligent. Truly a great role model for, for our women. Truly a great role model for any of us. But let's read on now and let's see as now Barak comes into the story in verse 6. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinom, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? See how she's saying this is the Lord's message. It's not a woman telling him, it's God Telling, And she's that prophetess. She's that judge to translate God's message. And deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men, the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. Now notice. And against you I will deplore Sesera, the commander of Jamin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. How powerful is God? God is so powerful, not only can he say to his troops, I want to deploy you and I want to tell you who to take and I want to tell you how many to take, but he is even so powerful he can say, and by the way, when you start making your movement, I'm going to deploy the enemy troops too so that we'll have them just at the right place, just at the right time. That's how powerful God is. Friend, our faith and our hope better not be in iron and weapons and artillery. God can raise a nation and God can drop a nation as easy as you and I can snap a finger. Friends, we are fools if we think that what we enjoy is because of our strength and our might. Here we're going to see an example where God decided to bless one nation and allow another nation to be conquered. And that's exactly what is unfolding here. But you see, it's in this story that we see a problem developing among Barak. Look at verse 8. Barak said to her. Now, this phrase right here is why he oftentimes gets really a bad reputation. I'm not suggesting to you that his doubting here was correct. I'm simply saying this is where it comes from. If you will go with me. Now, he's saying to the woman, Deborah, if you will go with me, then I'll go. But if you will not go with me, I'll not go. Friends, how much faith did he put in this woman? I'm going to take 10,000 men with me. God's given me the orders. God's even told me when he's going to deploy the enemy. But I've got to be honest with you, Deborah. I'm not going without you. Now, we can play the what-if game and we can play the why game. What comes to my mind is this simple fact. She was the messenger for God. You know, a few weeks ago when we talked about the GPS system, it'd be pretty nice going into battle having the person that can speak the message of God right there beside you where just in case you need to take a right or a left, that message would come right there. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the fact that she had been such a mighty and a courageous woman that he was finding a comfort and a strength with her leadership along with him. Whatever it is, we cannot say it was wise for him to say, if you won't go, I won't go. When God gave a direct command, I want you to go. I'm making this statement not to justify anything, but I think we're going to miss out on something God would want us to learn, and we're going to turn to another passage in a minute where I think it proves that God would want us to learn this. But please note this. We're not all at the same place on our spiritual journey. When we're baptized into Christ under the new covenant, we're babes in Christ, the scriptures teaches us. And we're supposed to grow and mature all of our life. How many of us can look back at times where we know, looking back, we should have been more mature. We should have been ready to step up. But yet the fact is, we weren't ready. Now, how many of us can look back now and say, you know what? But it was so-and-so in my life. That person, that parent, that teacher, uh, that, that elder, that best friend that's a faithful Christian, that whoever it is, that person helped me. And you know, I finally made it through that time and I grew through that time. And now I'm mature enough that I can handle that. I believe that maybe that's what we see in the life of Barak at this time. We're going to come right back to this passage, so you may want to put your finger here, but I'd invite you to turn over to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and see how God explains this man in the great chapter of faith. You see, it's easy for us to kind of beat Barak up and say, oh, that's the man that should have had greater faith. He had to depend upon the judge to go along with him before he'd obey God. Yeah, but you know what? There was something about him going into that battle. And his courageous victory that he experienced in that battle, that when God looks back on it, God doesn't see all the doubt that sometime we focus on, and I guess we even magnify sometime. I love how this is revealed to us in Hebrews the 11th chapter. Let's start reading this at 32. And by the way, if you know Hebrews, the 11th chapter was, well, the great hall of faith. And, and this is where many characters of faith, the detailed events that exemplified such great faith are told until we get to this point in the chapter. At this point in the chapter, the details stop coming. Now he's just going to list a few individuals, and after he lists a few individuals, he's going to list a few of the things that these individuals did. Not that each individual did every one of these, but these things, some of them would describe some of the ones listed. So notice this as we read in 32, Hebrews 11th chapter. And what more shall I say? See, he's been going to all these details. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak. Wait a minute, where's that asterisk to say that, oh, he was weak? It's not there, is it? And Samson, did you think he would be in the great hall of faith? And Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets? now a list of what some of these men did, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And my opinion is, this one coming up may very well be the one that explains Barak. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Out of weakness were made strong and became valiant soldiers, warriors. Where do we see Barak? At the beginning, we see him weak. We see him somewhat struggling in the sense that he's, I'm not going to go alone. But by the time the battle's over, we see a strong man. By the time he's recorded in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, he's recorded right along with the faithful. What's the point? Isn't it obvious that tonight you and I have the opportunity to be a Deborah? we have the opportunity to come along beside someone at the time that they need it the most, that'll give them that extra push spiritually to help them believe that they can do something that maybe they literally say, I can't do it alone. Okay, I think you can do it alone, but if you don't believe it, I'll do it with you. How many of us can look back at those times in our life where where maybe if you're a man, you say, you know, I didn't think I'd ever lead a public prayer but maybe there was that someone that said, I'll walk along with you. I'll help you. I'll, I'll get with you. I'll train you. Friends, maybe it's the first time some of you ladies thought, I could never teach a class. And who was it that said, I'll go in there with you. I'll help you learn. All of our gifts that God has given us, we probably all have reached times where we just needed someone to come along beside us. And what happens as we go back to this story and just try to summarize this, what happens is something very beautiful. The rest of this story shows how God sent Barak and his army of 10,000 men up to the mount there of Tabor and just at the right time, and by the way, If you read the rest of the fourth chapter, it's not really as clear. But if you see in verse 15, and we don't have a screen on this, but in 15 it says, And the Lord routed Sesera and his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And and, uh, Sesera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. Now who routed him? That said... The Lord routed How do you think the Lord routed him? Let's skip two screens and let's go over to the fifth chapter in verse 19, 20, and 21. This is the song of praise that they sung after the great victory that they had uh, following God's orders and God's commands. And as we read verse 19, it talks about the kings that came and fought, then the kings of Canaan fought. And then skip down in 20, they fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against sesra now, wait a minute. How did the heavens and the stars fight against him? Notice the torrent of Kishon. Remember that was the river? Swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, oh my soul, march on in strength. Now, this is the song that they're singing that tells about their victory. What most assume is that from this, that just at the right time, God sent a terrible flooding rain perhaps even hail. And here are these men that are going to go up the mountain to fight. And God, just at the right time, tells His men to descend. And as they descend, this rain floods the valley. Now their chariots are stuck. No longer are those 900 chariots of any use. That's why Sesra has to flee from the chariot And he runs on foot. Now, if we had time to study this in detail, before the battle actually began, Deborah told him, you're not going to receive the glory for this. It's going to be a woman. And so when he ran and he hid in a lady's tent, she took a tent peg and she drove it through his temple and pinned him to the ground. And so when Barak comes around hunting, she shows him. There's your enemy. There's the leader of the Canaan army. They have their victory. What's the point of all this? Oh, a lot of lessons to learn. But tonight, on Friends Day, the great lesson for us to learn is that really, we all in ways are Deborah, hopefully, and Barry, We all have the opportunity to encourage someone along the way. But the truth is, we all find ourselves in need of an influence of other spiritual people that can help us on the way. Tonight, are you? Are you that kind of friend? A kind of friend that does the right thing and helps and encourages others to do the right thing. What a blessed, blessed event that we're having in the life of this congregation to study through the Word of God. And see such great characters of faith. It's ancient words, but it's to be a living faith. It's God and His ways alive in your life. Tonight, if you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, won't you consider that tonight? If you have questions or you want to study it further, we would love to do that with you. But if you're ready tonight as a believer in Jesus Christ, ready to repent of sins and confess before others, won't you be baptized tonight? Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and along the way you've lost the way and you want to come back and repent and confess sins and pray forgiveness. Let's all leave here tonight close to God, righteous and being the example and the encouragement to others to help them along the way too. I was not saved. To walk this way alone. Thank God for Christian friends. If we can help.